Hey, good morning, you guys. How's everyone doing? Good. All right. Manny Pacquiao won yesterday, so all is right in the world. 40 years old. And, oh, what, is four, what has two thumbs and is 40 and is preaching this Sunday? This guy, right? And so age ain't nothing but a number, all right? Uh, would you guys go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18 <clears throat> as uh, we resume our series um, on the parable of the unforgiving servant. That's right, we're going to be learning about forgiveness. Okay, specifically how God's lavish grace of forgiveness enables us or empowers us to forgive others. All right, uh, C.S. Lewis has one of the best quotes on forgiveness that I know of. <clears throat> And he says this, that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive for, <laughs> right? Until you, you and I have something to forgive, until you and I choose to release the offense, release the injury, and let it go and allow the Lord to forgive a person. You know, I think that sometimes our greatest misery comes our greatest ministry. Let me repeat that. Sometimes our greatest misery, hardships that you and I have gone through and can go through can become the foundation of our greatest ministry. <clears throat> when Shannon Etheridge was 16 years old, an act of forgiveness and love changed her life forever. Driving to her high school one morning, Shannon struck and ran over Marjorie Jarfster, who was riding her bicycle along a country road. Marjorie died, and Shannon was found completely at fault by the authorities. Consumed by guilt, she contemplated suicide several times, but she never took her life because of the healing response of one man, Marjorie's husband, Gary Jasper. See, Gary, Marjorie's husband, forgave the 16-year-old girl and asked the attorney to drop all the charges against her. This saved her from an almost a certain guilty verdict. Instead, he simply asked Shannon to continue in the godly heritage that his wife had taken. He told her multiple times, you cannot let this ruin your life. Over 30 years ago, he pleaded with her, God wants to strengthen you. In fact, I am passing Marjorie's legacy on to you. That simple act of forgiveness, Gary's forgiveness, showed Shannon the amazing restorative love of God. That act became the foundation of her work seeking to help people overcome guilt-ridden and wounded lives. Now, Sha now, Shannon Etheridge is a million-copy best-selling author of 22 books. She's an international sought-after speaker, a life coach who seeks and preaches the power of forgiveness. From that place of misery can come, can become the foundation of what? Ministry. And so this morning, Jesus is going to talk in Matthew 18 about forgiveness. 
So if we could all stand together, Matthew 18, verses 21, just in reverence to God's Word. And this morning, we're actually going to read from the NIV version. So if you don't have your Bibles, I have mine over here. If you don't have your Bibles, you could look in the notes. There's a sermon notes there. You could engage in the message, but also it's on the screen. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. <clears throat> then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord... How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw that, saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Here's the conclusion. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we need you, oh God, this morning. Lord, because uh, it's like C.S. Lewis said, forgiveness is a lovely idea. It's a great concept until we have to forgive others who have injured us until we have to release our own offense against different people and set them free through forgiveness. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this morning. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would quicken our hearts, open our minds, O oh Lord God, to receive your word. Welcome it as truth, as inspired word of God. This is not man's opinions. This is God-breathed, the exhale of God inspired scripture so lord i pray that you would give us strength give us the hands and feet to walk this out in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated you know oftentimes like today okay um you know i i for the most part my work as a pastor it's a lot of um shepherding people it's a lot of con uh, making contact with the people. It's a lot of studying, right? And uh, I spend a majority of my time in the church office. 
And um, unlike most Filipinos, it's pretty shameful that I don't do yard work. Boo, right? You're not a legit Pinoy. Anyways, and so, but it is very interesting that even though I spend most of my time in my office and I don't really um, hang out in the garden, you know, we have a small little herb garden that's pretty pathetic right now. Everything's overgrown, you know, and I don't really spend time out in the dirt doing stuff. We live in such a dirty world that, like, I notice right now, I clip my fingernails, but there's just a little bit of dirt that's in there. It's like, where the heck did that come from? Where in the world did that come from? Because oftentimes, we live in a broken world with sinful people. And if you are in any sort of relationship, injury can happen. Just like you don't intend to get your hands dirty and all of a sudden, whoa, I got dirt in my fingernails. Where did that come from? In the same way, you and I cannot live our lives here on this earth you know, without some sort of offense that's happened to you that you need to forgive someone. The truth is we cannot live in this world very long without being hurt. No matter how hard we try to isolate, to protect, and even shelter ourselves, guarding our hearts, we live in a fallen world with broken people who make mistakes. There is so much betrayal and pain going on, injustice and evil that has happened to students, young adults, to our kapuna, men, women, people of every ethnicity. No one is immune from getting hurt. And the question then becomes, how do you handle when you've been hurt? Do you clam up? Do you give the silent treatment? Do you build up the walls? And this is not a new question. This is a question that's been raised for thousands of years as long as people have been around. One way to respond to being hurt is a guy in the Bible named Lamech in Genesis chapter 4, verse 23. You see, someone injured him, and this is what he says in verse 23. I have killed a man for wounding me, and a young man for injuring me. And he heard about what God did for Cain, and he says, If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. You see here that the rule of Lamech is not only to do to others what they've done to you. You hurt me, I hurt you back. You talk stink about me, I want to talk stink about you, Right? It's to do worse. It's not just revenge, Lamech wanted. He wanted to have revenge many times over. Lamech was wounded, so he killed a young man for causing him injury. Wound, hurt people, hurt people. Wounded people, wound other people. Okay? So I know many of us won't go that far, but we're certainly we're tempted to take vengeance Take things into our own hands. Even if we can't exact revenge, our hearts can stew in resentment and bitterness toward the person who wounded us. In our text this morning, Jesus had a story to tell about the nature of forgiveness. This story starts with Peter asking, Hey, Jesus, um, you know, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Lord, up to seven times? Now, it might seem like it's not much, but the consensus with the rabbinical teaching, all the rabbis said, hey, if your brother or sister, if they injure you and if they sin against you, 
three times, up to three times, then after that, you could cut them off. Then you could take vengeance in your own hands. It's like baseball. Three strikes, you're out. Fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? And so Peter, he's actually having a gamemanship here. He's trying to one-up. He's like, you know, the rabbis, everybody's saying up to three, but I'm going to double three. What's, I'm not very good at math, right? What's double of three? Six. Because it's six, I want to add one more. Seven times, Lord? Shall I, for, shall I forgive seven times? And Jesus answers and tells him what? I tell you not seven times, but what? Seventy-seven times. He turns the rule of Lamech of taking vengeance 77 times and taking that rule and switches it to forgiveness and grace and mercy 77 times. That's why Jesus says the kingdom, the kingdom of God is like this. See what Jesus does is he turns the kingdom of this world, the way things are, right side up because things are broken. Because we are going to hurt each other, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But you and I must choose to walk in the kingdom of God and forgive people 70 times 7 or 77 times. But how is that even possible? Would you write down the first principle in the story? Number one, write down in your notes, that God is lavish in His grace to forgive debts. That the creator of the heavens of the earth he is merciful, He is lavish in His grace to forgive us of our debts. Now, anytime you talk about forgiveness, it's important to clarify what forgiveness is not, all right? So before we go into the forgiveness of God, let me just put this out. If you're taking notes, these are four things forgiveness is not. Number one, forgiveness is not excusing. Forgiveness is not excusing. Some, be, some actions are excusable and do not require forgiveness. So, for example, if you're seated near to a mother with a fussy baby on an airplane, how do you experience that? Can I get an amen, right? And she may offer you an apology. Oh, I'm so sorry. Could you please forgive me? You may feel like you've been sinned against, but guess what, you guys? People share space and babies fuss. The reasonable response is not to, oh, oh, yeah, I yeah, forgive you. She better ask for forgiveness. But the reasonable response is what? Kindness and understanding towards the mother. And guess what? You and I were probably fussy as, a baby, as babies as well, right? Kindness. Number two is that forgiveness is not forgetting. I know, I know, many of you guys are saying, and you can complete this in sentence, right? Forgive and forget. But forgiveness, you guys, is not spiritual amnesia. You're not like, okay, I forgive, I forget what you did to me. You don't forget. It is not for, in the parable, the king remembered that, the, that he has forgiven the servant. Forgiveness requires that we are aware of what happened, and yet we choose to move forward anyways. Forgiveness is not like, okay, I just got to move on. I got to move on. I got to forget. I got to forget. Forgiveness is not moving on. It is moving forward. Yes, you hurt me, but I choose to walk in mercy and grace. I'm going to move forward. I'm not going to forget, but I'm going to move forward. 
Thirdly, forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Just because you forgive someone does not necessarily mean that you have to reconcile. Romans 13 says, if at all possible, be at peace with everyone. See, even Paul understood, man, you can't be at peace with everybody. Maybe you need to extend forgiveness to someone who's passed away already. And like, how can you be reconciled? See, it's not possible at all times. But if it is possible, you try to do it. And fourthly, forgiveness is not tolerance, okay? In the text before this, Jesus says, man, if, if there's a brother or sister who's sinned against, who's living in sin, go to him with a witness and appeal to him. And then you want to go to him again with more witnesses. And if they don't listen, bring it before the church. And if they don't repent, then shun them away and turn them away. Treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. We're told to confront directly and graciously. That may lead to repentance, but that is not guaranteed. Here it is. It takes two people to reconcile, but it only takes one person to forgive. It takes two people to reconcile, but it takes one person to forgive. You and I must make that choice to forgive. So let's go to the text in Matthew 18, verse 24. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, <clears throat> this is the NIV version, okay? And it says that the man owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Literally, this means he owed him 10,000 talents. Let me break that down for you. So, in ancient Greco-Roman, a talent, or 10,000, excuse me, was the highest denomination of currency in the ancient Greco-Roman world. And the Greek literally describes the first servant as owing 10,000 talents. And 10,000 was the highest named numeral, the word which we derive where we get the word myriad, meaning a lot, myriad. That's the word, that's the Greek word 10,000, meaning a lot. That was the highest, didn't have millions or hundreds of thousands. The highest numeral they had was 10,000. Now, a talent was worth 20 years wages, all right? And then again, I'm not very good at math, so I had to pull out the calculator. So this man owed the king 10,000 talents. <clears throat> if 10,000 talents, and if one talent is 20 years, that means it would require 200,000 years for this servant to pay back the 10,000 talents. It is equivalent to $7 billion today. It would be like, you know, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, Buffett right? That that uh, sort of wealth was required. Uh, the NIV or the TNIV was the first translation to capture this, the enormity of this sum by saying he owed him billions of dollars. 
Now, in verse 25, you see here, since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the, ta- repay the debt. Because you, back then, you just cannot, you, you know, how many of you guys watch The Office, right? You just cannot go in front of, I declare bankruptcy, right? That's not how it works. Back then, if you owed people money, you would... For a collateral, you would give your spouse or your children and all your property that you had. Say, hey, uh, if my word is not enough, this is all I have. If I can't pay this, then you could have this. And so this is why in the parable, they took him, his wife, and his children, and all his property. Look at verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, and he begged them, be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. Let's pause here. Do you guys catch that? He says, be patient with me. He didn't say, please forgive my debts, but he said, just give me more time, just give me more time. 200,000 years, <laughs> that's how much time he needed to pay back that debt. Could he, was he able to pay back that debt? He could not, and he cannot. But he gets something better than patience from the king. What does he get? He gets mercy and forgiveness. He asked for patience. He received forgiveness. I think this is such the goodness and the grace of God. Oftentimes, we come before the Lord with impure motives, right? Lord, I'm going to give my life to you if you heal my health, if you heal my son or my daughter, if you heal my, my dad, oh Lord God, I'm going to give my life to you. And the Lord brings healing to that person, right? And he answers your prayer, but God does so much more. He gives you abundant life here on earth now. Lord, if you just help me out of this pickle, Lord, if you could just get me this job, Lord, if you could just drop this case against me, and we come before God, and we're just asking for patience and patience, just give me more time, but it's something that we could not earn our own, and God, in his goodness and grace, we ask for patience, we ask for time, and he gives us eternity. He gives us everlasting life. He gives us abundant life. He gives us a life of peace, of purpose of substance and depth. This is the goodness of, the, of God. Verse 27, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt, and he let him go. Let me note something here that's super important. That, the, that mercy cost the king. That it is not free. It cost him 10,000 talents to grant the servant mercy. In the same way, when you and I choose to forgive someone, it's going to cost you something. German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died as a martyr in Nazi Germany because he protested against um, Hitler and the Nazi regime, this is what he said, all forgiveness is a form of suffering. All forgiveness, whether from God, whether when you forgive each other or you ask for forgiveness or you've been forgiven, all forgiveness is a form of suffering, meaning it will either be suffering by the other person in the form of our vengeance. 
if we don't forgive, if we give the silent treatment, if we sever relationships, if we create relational distance, someone suffers. Or it will become suffering by us in the form of our forgiveness, that our pride suffers, that our entitlement suffers, that our sense of what's right, is, it suffers. Every, for, every form of forgiveness is a form of suffering. Now, uh, just last month, or two months ago, um, I picked up uh, a car in California, and I found a good deal. I called my dad. I said, like, hey, dad, there's this crazy deal. Do you think you could uh, buy this car for me? We're going to be there vacationing anyways. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of it. So he drove down there. He got the car and everything. So it was nice. It was cool. In California, uh, especially in Glendale, California, they have street cleaning days. And in the street cleaning days, one is... One is Tuesday, one is Wednesday. You cannot park on the street or they'll tow your car, all right? And so my dad, he's 76 years old. And so I said, Dad, please get insurance for it. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm like, Dad, please get insurance. And he just kind of put it off. And he said, Dad, don't drive around. Did he listen, right? It's payback from off there all the years. I didn't listen to him anyways. So he went to the supermarket and then, um, you know, at night, got something on the, in the morning. Um, I got an email from my dad. He goes, Hoi, John, John, did you get it? I'm like, get what? I sent you the note. I'm like, what note? Uh, you know, I, I apparently I hit someone and I swiped their car, but the car is so big and they have a small little uh, a Toyota and they have a, a dent in the car. I'm like, and this is their phone number. I want you to call them. I'm like, what? You, you drove, you hit them. Right? And he goes, well, it's your car. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious right now? And then he's like, well, you, you're going to have to pay. So I ended up, I was like, dad, you know, you're 70, I told you not to do it. Oh, God. And he didn't even ask for forgiveness. He didn't say, oh, son, my pastor's son, would you forgive me? He just said, pay for it. I'm like, okay. So I end up calling the girl. Um, Whitney Martin, and I said, hey, I'm so sorry. My 76-year-old dad, you know, uh, accidentally hit your car. What's the damage? And he's like, well, we're going to have to go through insurance. I'm like, uh, it's not insured. He's like, okay, uh, let me take it to three shops. So we took it to three shops. Ended up paying, it cost $796 to pay a stupid bumper, man. All right? <laughs> but... Forgiveness cost. Just because I forgive my dad, it doesn't mean I have to pay <laughs> the auto repair. See, all forgiveness requires some sort of a suffering. Maybe your suffering this morning is more than a dented car, but listen, you guys, Christ has paid it all. Christ has paid it all. Number two, would you write down? That forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, please be patient with me. And I will pay it back. Are you guys seeing the parallel here? Even Jesus is using parallel words. 
Be patient with me. I will pay it back. 30, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. You see here, the treatment of the second servant forms the heart of this scene. It's almost unimaginable how the servant treated other fellow servant. Jesus highlights the contrast between the two men by using very close parallel words. They both asked to be patient. They both fell on their knees. They both begged with their masters, please be patient with me. Give me back, give me more time. I will pay you back. But what happens between 27 and 30 is a complete opposite pair of reactions that Jesus portrayed. The king forgives an unpayable debt. The servant just forgiven that debt has his his underling thrown into prison. Little wonder why in verse 31, the, the servants who saw this, they were greatly distressed or distressed. And the word that, that's translated, I think the NIV says that they were outraged. Like, are you kidding me? He owed you seven, you got released and forgiven seven billion dollars? You couldn't even let this $20,000 slide? That's how much 100 uh, denarius was, a day's wage. Seven billion, 20,000. He's been forgiven, but yet he chooses not to forgive. Jesus' parables, you guys, they're not pointless stories. They help us to understand the down-to-earth reality of God's kingdom, and he invites us to enter into that kingdom. Once a debt is created, someone must pay. And this morning, you know, as we continue our, our series, uh, we're going to hear from one of our uh, sisters share testimony about the power of forgiveness, about the power of being graciously forgiven by God, experiencing that, dwelling on that, living on that, and from that place of forgiveness, extend it to those who have injured her. So would you guys welcome Kim Cherie? Give her a clap. I'm Kim Sheree. I'm going to ask for some grace because I'm going to mostly read my notes so that I don't leave anything out important and go home later and go, oh, I wish I said that. Oh, I needed to say that. I printed my notes from my journal. Just give me a second. Okay. Thanks for giving me an opportunity to share. I titled this Birthday Dad. Okay. A couple days before my birthday this year, my dad called me and asked me to lunch, so I said, okay. But what you need to understand about this is I haven't even spoke to him in years and years and years, up until about two years ago, if he would have called me, I wouldn't even have answered the phone, and I sure wouldn't have gone to lunch with him. So right there, I've come a long way. We have a pretty negative history, as um, lots of people have with their families, but several years ago I was convicted in church one day as a pastor was talking about forgiveness, that you need to forgive in order to be forgiven. So I really took that to heart. Actually, I think it was like you hear it, you hear it, you hear it, you're like, okay, I'll try it. (laughs) So I've been really trying, and every time he called, I've been trying to meet up with him. And I've been trying to do it prayerfully. He lives in Makaha, so I have a lot of time to pray before I get out there. Good thing. 
God's always been with me, leading me the way. And I've seen like rainbows and the pretty beaches. And so I felt confident when I was going out there to meet with them, even though it was super, super hard. I remember one time about halfway there, I actually had to pull over because I had to throw up. I was physically sick having to go see him. But God told me to do it. So here we go. I'm going I'm to keep going. I'm going to keep trying to do this. So in this case, for lunch, for my birthday, I strategically planned it in a restaurant that I knew I would go to anyway, even if he wasn't going to meet me. I can eat the food there because I really like it. I didn't really have a reason to be there, but at least I planned it to be someplace I would like to be at. I was praying and listening to worship music on the way there, and when I got there at 11 o'clock, I realized I had just set myself up because 51 years before, when I turned five, my dad had stood me up on my birthday. And that was a big part of who I became. It was a big part of my story. It wasn't unusual for him to stand us up, and it happened a lot of other times during my life. He has struggled with drug addiction his whole life. Not that that's an excuse, but that's his excuse. Um, but my birthday is on February 14th. That's Valentine's Day. That should be a pretty easy day to remember, but he never did. Every year, my mom would buy me a beautiful red dress with hearts on it, and I would wear it all day. She still does it today to this year. I think this year I actually got a scarf with hearts on it. But uh, that year, we had invited four friends to go to the zoo, and we were gonna have a big celebration. And um, he had called and asked if he could carve out some time, if I could carve out some time for him because he was gonna be in our town. And I begged my mom to change our plans because every little kid wants to, you know, feel special and spend time with her dad. So she did, reluctantly. But I vividly remember standing on our couch. It was a big, long couch with a big window that faced out to the, the street, kind of like that. And I just remember in my little red dress, and I was a tiny little girl standing there waiting, excited and anxious, and car after car after car went by. I don't remember the first time I rode a bike, but I do remember how I felt that day. Sorry. Anyway. I've relived that so many times, and not just with him. The realization in my little girl brain that I just wasn't important enough. I wasn't loved enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't smart enough. I just wasn't enough. Obviously, I still remember that. The hurt doesn't go away. But having God helps. Anyway, I couldn't cry much that day because my mom started spiraling. As hurt as I was, she was a bit more hurt. She was devastated. She started screaming, I knew this was gonna happen, he always does this, I should have never let this happen, and she took it all on her instead of giving any of it to him. This is my fault, I should have known better, I should have protected you. She was stomping, she was throwing things, and I remember I couldn't cry, I couldn't complain, because I didn't want to match her level of anger. So I just remember kind of going up the steps quietly, going into my room and saying, well, I'll never trust him again. And I didn't. 
We didn't even speak for decades. 51 years later, chapters in my life later, I become a Christian, I'm learning about grace, I'm wanting to forgive, and here I was at Latour waiting for my father to arrive at 11. It's 10 after, and he's still not there. And I started thinking, 10 years ago, I wouldn't even have been speaking to him, so this is progress. Doesn't even matter if he comes, this is progress, this is about me. 20 minutes after, I started to spiral a little. My body language might have been a little negative. I started thinking about all the things, all the things I blamed him for, real or imagined, my whole life because of that way I was treated when I was a child. I was wondering if I should tell him when he shows up, you know, what a screw up he was, and I started kind of going through all this in my mind. And then, you know, something just clicked. And I stopped. I'm not going to say like I heard the voice of God, but something in me stopped. And I just did a quick check. I was just reacting. I was falling into that trap again that had been set so cleverly decades ago by the devil. But I'm not that person anymore. I know better. I have tools. I have a weapons. <laughs> Sitting at Latoura on Nimitz, my heart was racing with anxiety, and I just stopped and said a couple of prayers. I'm supposed to give this to the Lord, and I immediately felt better. I remember the song I was listening to was drink from the cup in your hand, lay back and hear your heartbeat, and I started to pray. I could feel myself starting to calm down. I wasn't feeling anxious anymore. I was starting to get a little worried, actually, that maybe something happened to him. 11.25, he's an old man, 80-something years old. I didn't really feel like I could call him because I don't think he has an earpiece, and I didn't want him to, like, fumble if he was on the way, and I knew I couldn't text him because he doesn't text. Um, so I thought, at 11.30, I'm just going to order myself some food. I'm going to pray that he's okay. Just about that time, he scampers into the restaurant, and I say scamper because... He has that old man walk. I'm not kidding, he does. And um, he was completely oblivious that he was late. He was oblivious that the devil had tried to dredge up old memories, past hurts, and sabotage yet another day of our life. I, however, am keenly aware that my father, the one in heaven, has been with me the whole time. He got here before I did. I'm reading this from my notes my journal notes. He got here before I did. He blessed the surroundings so complete healing could take place that day. He gave me just enough space to remember and then held me close so I could let go. Now these tears that I was shedding, these are tears of freedom. I'm not held hostage anymore. I'm free. I'm free to see that this man was not the devil. He's just a man, an old man now. If you remember Tim Conway of the Carol Burnett show, that's kind of what he looks like. He's not very menacing. It probably took him 30 minutes just to get through the parking lot. <laughs> and that's probably why he was late. But the devil, the enemy, he was trying to take advantage of this situation. And he still continues to torture little children and adults alike. I did not mention to my dad that he was late. Didn't bring up anything from the past. We just had lunch. 
and it was fine. Afterwards, I marveled at God's choreography and wrote in my journal, I'm so thankful that you're a God that remembers little Kim Cherie. God knew that she needed healing so that adult Kim Cherie could move forward. I urge you to... I urge you to let it go. Don't let the devil control you with manipulation. Give everything to the Lord. Leave it at his feet. I'm just going to read that verse from that song again, and I'm going to pray. I want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup in your hand, lay back against you and breathe. Lay back against God and breathe. Feel your heartbeat. This love, God's love, is so deep it's more than I can stand. I melt in your peace. I melt in your peace. It's overwhelming, clearly. Let me pray. Thank you, Lord, for taking me to a familiar place in my emotions so I could break a stronghold from the devil, and we can only do that through you. Amen. Hey, could we say thank you to Kim Cherie, you guys? We could all stand together. So I pray that uh, the words would come alive and the stories of Jesus would come alive and you could connect your story, how God's redemptive work is at work from the past and that how you could fit into the mosaic of God's redemptive plan and I just want to thank Kim Cherie just for her boldness and her courage and uh, to be able to to share that and be that place of vulnerability but also choosing to move forward acknowledging she's not tolerating she's not excusing this happened I recognize it I acknowledge it but I choose forgiveness Could I just say this, that the most forgiven people should be the most forgiving people. Jesus talked about that, right? That the sinner who had multiple sins, and Jesus said, man, who has been forgiven the most, loves the most. And we've been forgiven a debt we cannot pay. It would require our blood. It would require life. And Jesus took care of that cross. So um, this morning, let's go ahead and pray. And if you could just stretch your hands and just uh, pray for Kim Shree, but I also want to pray for you. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we marvel, Lord God, of your work, of your grace, of your mercy, of your forgiveness, that the power of the cross still moves forward that the power of the cross the resurrection of jesus is alive that it brings healing it brings wholeness from once it, there was offense but now there's grace and forgiveness oh lord god and so father i just pray oh lord god that you would continue lord to use from that place of misery lord in kim Shree's life that you would that that would be a foundation for ministry that she could minister and speak to those who have a hard time forgiving to those who have been hurt and injured. Lord, I pray, God, through her testimony that you be glorified.
And so, Lord, I also pray, God, for each one of us. Search us right now, Lord God. Know us, Lord. Sometimes we've suppressed things so much that we're not even aware. So, Holy Spirit, examine us. If there's any bitterness or anger, unforgiveness, resentment, Lord, I pray, God, that we would release that and look to the cross. Lord, you've forgiven us the most, and so, Lord, help us to forgive the most in people. Lord, would you do this for your glory and yours alone? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.